Ubu is light. Ubu is love. Welcome to the Cult of Ubu. Hey, welcome back to the Cult of Ubu. So today I wanted to take a look back at something that in its time was quite controversial. And this is going to be about the essay or the very short essay that culture critic Susan Sontag wrote in The New Yorker right after September 11th. It's kind of funny. I never thought that September 11 would feel like ancient history, but you know, it was almost 17 years ago. But I'm going to start with a letter that was written to National Review in 2007. Now, as an aside, it's kind of interesting to look back and realize that there was a time when National Review actually had teeth, and it was probably around the time when their readership still had their teeth. But this is a letter from someone named Jane Farrell in Peoria, Illinois. Oh, strike that. No, it's Peoria, Arizona. You know when you live in a town that's named after another town that isn't that big a deal in the first place? Peoria, Arizona must be a ditch. If you live there, you can tell me I'm wrong. I'm fine with that. Uh, I'm just imagining that Peoria, Peoria, Arizona is... It's not, probably not a vacation destination. Anyway, this is the letter to National Review. It says, The piece mentioned Sontag's shameful New Yorker essay in the first issue after 9-11, which was the harbinger of the we-deserved-it school of thought that now stretches from Osama to Ron Paul. A letter to the editor in the current issue comments, Elliot Weinberger, author of the original piece, talks about Susan Sontag being assailed in an atmosphere of jingoism for writing, let's by all means grieve together, but let's not be stupid together. One does not have to be a jingoist to be offended by that statement. Any intelligent reader can see that Sontag felt no grief whatsoever and was impatient with those who did. It's ironic that the woman who wrote the first-rate book regarding the pain of others seemed so unable to sympathize or even grasp the pain of those others who were just 40 blocks south of her home. Now, I'm going to get to Sontag's piece in a moment, but it's worth remembering that people were pretty outraged by what she wrote in The New Yorker. And also, people were pretty outraged by things that Ron Paul said. What's funny, though, I think, is that even if you're on the right, even if you were a Bush voter, and I was a Bush voter, you kind of have to look back and see how both of these people were ultimately vindicated. So Sontag's piece, and I'll, I'll link both of these, but it goes, uh, it starts, The disconnect between last Tuesday's monstrous dose of reality and the self-righteous drivel and outright deceptions being peddled by public figures and TV commentators is startling, depressing. The voices licensed to follow the event seem to have joined together in a campaign to infantilize the public. 
Where is the acknowledgement that this was not a cowardly attack on civilization or liberty or humanity or the free world, but an attack on the world's self-proclaimed superpower undertaken as a consequence of specific American alliances and actions? How many citizens are aware of the ongoing American bombing of Iraq? And if the word cowardly is to be used, it might be more aptly applied to those who kill from beyond the range of retaliation, high in the sky, than to those willing to die themselves in order to kill others. In the matter of courage, a morally neutral vir virtue, whatever may be said of the perpetrators of Tuesday's slaughter, they were not cowards. Now, that first part of what Sontag wrote is the part that people mostly seized on when they wanted to get outrage bait out of things. And you can see how neoconservatives would have grabbed onto that and kind of made hay out of it. But what Sontag says in the following, I think, is very important and really reverberates today, in fact, and is something that should be something that should be considered. She writes, Our leaders are bent on convincing us that everything is A-OK. -okay. America is not afraid. Our spirit is unbroken, although this was a day that will live in infamy and America is now at war. But everything is not OK. And this was not Pearl Harbor. We have a robotic president who assures us that America still stands tall. A wide spectrum of public figures in and out of office who are strongly opposed to the policies being pursued abroad by this administration, apparently feel free to say nothing more than that they stand united behind President Bush. A lot of thinking needs to be done, and perhaps is being done in Washington and elsewhere, about the ineptitude of American intelligence and counterintelligence, about options available to American foreign policy, particularly in the Middle East and about what constitutes a smart program of military defense. And this is an important part right here. But the public is not being asked to bear much of the burden of reality. The unanimously applauded self-congratulatory bromides of a, so of a Soviet party Congress seemed contemptible. The unanimity of the sanctimonious reality-concealing rhetoric spouted by American officials and media commentators in recent days seems well, unworthy of a mature democracy. And finally, and this is where the, the quote from the letter comes from, those in public office have let us know that they consider their task to be a manipulative one, confidence building and grief management. Politics, the politics of a democracy, which entails disagreement, which promotes candor, has been replaced by psychotherapy. Let's by all means grieve together, but let's not be stupid together. A few shreds of historical awareness might help us understand what has just happened and what may continue to happen. Our country is strong, we are told again and again. I, for one, don't find this entirely consoling. Who doubts that America is strong? But that's not all America has to be. You know, one of the, thing, the things that I think that any sane person can agree upon nowadays is that Osama bin Laden and Al-Qaeda and the Taliban, or even really forget the Taliban, because I don't, they were, I don't think they really even cared about the United States one way or another. But 
Osama bin Laden and Al-Qaeda did not give a shit about America's freedom. They didn't hate us because of our freedom. I'm pretty sure that for all they were concerned, we could have run around in uh, munchkin outfits and had orgies on the White House lawn. No, they hated the United States because they thought that the Saudi government was corrupt, which it is, and they saw that the United States was propping up the, the Saudi government, and that the Saudi government, due to this relationship, had allowed the United States to put a military base on Saudi territory. And the area, which is now Saudi Arabia, is the birthplace of Islam. And Sontag was not saying that the United States deserved September 11th. What she was saying was that, A, had it not been for American policies, September 11th would not have happened. And B, the people in power, the government, the president, the Congress, the TV news, etc., were feeding the American public comforting lies instead of coming out and being honest about why these things happen. Because had they been honest, that might have caused the public to want to reevaluate some of America's policies. And look, none of this lets the public off the hook. I think we all knew, even maybe subconsciously, that things like September 11th don't happen in a vacuum. But we chose to tell ourselves instead that this was some alien foreign power that just hated us because of who we were. Moreover, we have conditioned ourselves to think that we are the default of what people would be if they had a choice. Now, it's funny because we elected a guy, and once again I say we because I am a, I am a, a staunch Trump supporter. I voted for the guy. I do not regret it. When compared with Hillary Clinton, I definitely think I made the right decision. But we elected a guy in part because we have come to the realization, I think, that a lot of people really don't want to be like us. And they're coming into the United States and they are not like us. Many of them don't speak the language, they have different customs, they stick to their own, and many of them frankly are not embarrassed to take advantage of social programs. Which I think a lot of Americans are trained from an early age to not want to take these, these benefits. But we've been at a point for a very long time where we can't say, I don't like this, and here's why. This makes me uncomfortable, and here's why. And I think that the longer that people are dishonest about their thoughts and their feelings and their attitudes toward the way things are going, the more resentment builds and the more likely it is to blow up in a much uglier way than just an election. And what Sontag was saying is that a mature public that wants to control its own destiny can't afford to cover its eyes. It's when you want to be an adult and you want to go out and do your own thing and you want to live your own life, 
and you want to have some measure of self-determination, you have to have a certain level of maturity and responsibility. We don't expect five-year-olds to go out and have full-time jobs and raise kids of their own and live on their own because they're not equipped to do it. And so I think it's really important to ask ourselves, well, as a society, are we being mature? Are we being adults? Is this, uh, are we measuring up to what we really want to be? So anyway, I don't really know what got me thinking about Susan Sontag and 9-11. It just sort of happened, and I, I looked it up last night. And I just wanted to talk about that because I think that we are seeing some real... We're, we're seeing sort of the edge of some real problems coming along the way. And I just think that some sort of real soul-searching might be in order. So anyway, I hope you have a very happy Friday. I hope you do something uh, fun and unproductive. You know, you don't always have to be mature. But if you've got responsibilities, take care of them. Alright, so this is Cult of Ubu. Have a great day. Have a great weekend. Uh, subscribe on YouTube, BitChute, or the podcast, whatever player you're listening to. And uh, I will talk to you soon. Goodbye.